As the early morning light began to show on the plains of Kenya, our safari vehicle with our family and some guests in it rounded a curve in the dirt vehicle track and we saw a lion cross in front of us. The driver paused and we all strained to see where the lion might be as it had disappeared into some tall grass just to the color of her furry coat. Before long, we noticed a crouched lion just to the right of where we'd seen that first lion go in, and these grasses were kind of at the base of a small knoll off to our right. Our excitement mounted as we murmured around in the vehicle what might be happening with two lions sort of stealthily moving in the grass. Surprisingly, a third lion darted across the path right in front of our vehicle again, and as it entered the grass, we saw the flickering ear of a fourth lion strategically placed in the grass, slowly creeping forward. Then we noticed that the scrub brushes across the top of the knoll were kind of shaking, they were moving. So we grabbed our binoculars and we scanned the area and we saw that we couldn't see what was moving the bushes, but we saw that there were at least six lions in position around the base of that knoll. Our tension kind of mounted. And over the next several minutes, our whispered voices punctuated the cool morning air when we spotted another lion. The dawning sun rose high and the full light came over the scene. Two more lions were moving stealthily, trying to position themselves. As we would watch, one lion would turn the head slightly and look toward another lion, and then communication undiscernible to us would lead to one lion slightly rising and moving forward a few steps and back down again. And then an ear would flick or a tail would twitch, and we'd see another lion moving slowly, positioning themselves around the base of that knoll, working to start going up the knoll. The lions were very patiently, with great stealth, shifting, getting themselves in position. We quietly said to one another, this is like watching Geographic in real time. <laughs> Soon, we were able to see the backs of the animals in the bushes that were coming slowly toward the lions, uh, and we saw the telltale signs on their big, dark heads. These were Cape Buffalo a herd of Cape buffalo in the bushes. They are big, they are dominant, they are scary um, if you're smaller than them, which we all were. So we kept watching to see what would happen. And as the, as the buffalo began to come out of the bushes, they all had their heads down, grazing, enjoying the grass, completely unaware that their enemy was setting a, a keen trap all around them. They just kept moving head down. And we would say to one another, why don't they just pick up their heads? All they do is pick up their head and look around. Like, why can't they see what we see? And the lions, as soon as they would see a buffalo move, they'd freeze. Not an eyelash would move. We in the vehicle would freeze, like, what's gonna happen? What are we gonna see? A lioness stood up slightly, seamlessly, took a couple of more steps forward and crouched. Another one did the same thing off to her right just a little bit. And suddenly, the Cape Buffalo in front, a huge bull, picked up his head, mouth full of long grass stringing out as he's chewing, eyes locked on the grass down the hill. Ears forward, he stood, not moving except for the chewing. 
Lions absolutely froze in position, as did we in the vehicle. Nothing and no one moved. Silently, we realized we were holding our breath until finally the Cape Buffalo put his head back down and took another bite after a couple of steps forward. But then suddenly his head popped up again. He raised his head high enough just to get in that sniffing position, which gives them a great advantage because their sense of smell is very keen. He turned his head slowly from side to side, sniffing eyes, scanning the grass, looking down the hill, sniffing and moving ears backwards and forwards. And then he gave a snort. And immediately, several other buffalo near him picked up their heads and stepped forward, also putting themselves into the sniffing advantage position. And without any further communication among them, suddenly a cascade of movement and buffalo snorting began. Bushes and grasses alike all jerked and swayed as the buffalo circled up to put the youngest and the weakest in the middle of them, even as the whole dark mass of the herd began surging forward. Lions quickly turned in retreat, scattering in every direction backward, literally running for their lives as these buffalo were stampeding down that slight hill. The predators had been exposed and they had to flee. A few minutes later, the lions had all disappeared into the tree-lined brush to our right, to our left, and the buffalo were once again grazing off to the right, one or two keeping their heads up to watch, however. Our heart rates finally settled back down to normal. We each guessed at how many lions total we'd seen. The driver said it was probable there could have been as many as 15 to 20, but he could validate that he had seen 12 to 14 at least. Whew. What a tension-filled, action-packed 20 to 30 minutes that had been as we watched that drama unfold. We were glad for the relief of sitting back down in our vehicle and being driven on down the track, but keeping very alert for what else we might see on that early morning game drive with our guests. Whew. You know, reliving that story, just by as Christine shared, she's a great storyteller. But yet, for us, and our, our PowerPoint just isn't our pointers not working well. So we'll just kind of leave it there at this point. Um, or you can turn it off, because we're having struggles with that. Um, <clears throat> but Jesus brings to mind a passage that I want to read to you. And it's 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6 and 7. Or 6 and 7, excuse me. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, works like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And that's an important verse as we started thinking about that, that um, that's, that story tells it. That life story for us was incredible, but yet the reminder that that lion was going after the buffalo, and likewise, we have an enemy for us that is coming after us. Our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, or a stealthy lion, as we saw and, and Christine shared. They're looking for someone to devour, not something. 
They're looking for someone the enemy is. We must be aware of him and his tactics. This is very important for us, just as it is for every Christian, for missionaries, for every believer to keep their heads up. And that's the concept that we want to share with you today. And um, we, our enemy is determined to keep our heads down. In, our, in a culture that's constantly sh- changing, a culture that's shifting, he wants to stop us from fulfilling God's commission to us to make, go and make disciples, to be rooted in the faith that he has led us to, and to go and make disciples, as we read in Matthew 28, is the Great Commission, which he said, it, we read that, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. That is what it's about. And we can't do that with our heads down. And so that's what the Lord is speaking to us. And for Christine and I, this is the truth that we need to be involved in in sharing the truth in our roles and responsibilities, connecting people to Jesus. That's what it's all about. It's not about going places. It's not even about going on safari in all our years in Africa, but it was connecting people to Jesus. But it is our privilege to do that and the cry of our hearts is that all people will hear the gospel whether they're in Africa whether they're missionaries whether they're just in day-to-day life in America that we all are able to connect people to the gospel through Jesus Christ Christ died on the cross in order that we might have life to free people from the bondage of sin and this is still the cry of our hearts in our ministries 30 years later It hasn't changed. Our focus is still, our compass is pointed straight north, straight up to following Christ and his commandment. And we, in our new roles in member care, have the privilege of building relationships with people and inviting them to pick up their heads and carefully look around. Inviting them, inviting you to be aware of what is going on. Offering them, offering you a different perspective, a different view to the one they have, their they have heard from, the one they live with, the one when their heads are down and they're not paying attention to Jesus, the enemy has opportunities, just like the lions did. But they carry on with the usual way of life and don't see what's lying ahead. But as they pick up their head, they can live in freedom. And it's a joy for us on our journey to connect people to Jesus, whether it's here um, in California as we have this opportunity today whether it's in Africa, when we come alongside missionaries, encouraging them. And for these 30 years, this is what we did while living in Africa. Through our various missionary roles as professionals at a mission hospital or being involved in local churches, we first connected with people. That was foundational to all of our roles. Connected to them, established relationships, and then helped them hear of Jesus, connecting them to Jesus. And as we did this, our hearts became burdened also for our fellow missionaries. And in Africa, we have over 60 missionaries. And they're they're doing various roles and responsibilities responsibilities and get so caught up in ministry that they can lose focus and keep their head up on what God wants to do in their lives as well as what God wants to do with through them. So we felt their hardships their struggles, and their need for someone who understands and who has lived a missionary life to come alongside them, to encourage them, to help them as they pick up their heads and to increase their awareness, to help them be aware of how to cause the enemy 
of their souls to flee. That is what we're about. That's what God has called all of us into. Now it's our privilege as missionaries, pastors, missionary, missionary uh, member caregivers to go be with our missionary colleagues. Our, our um, organization cares. That's what our tagline is for our department in member health for WGM. We care. And through that caring, we care for missionaries. And in our roles, in our work that we do is to remind missionaries serving in Africa with world gospel mission to raise their heads, to pay attention, be aware of what is happening around them and inside of them when difficulties arrive, when they experience traumatic events, when they have compounded grief from multiple incidents of trauma, multiple incidents of disappointment, or when no one else seems to understand their situation. God has placed us in a position that we can come alongside and help them be the lifter of their head, point them to the one who can be the lifter of their head, and we're grateful for that. We help them consider a different view, that there is someone who wants to be, right, is walking right alongside them, helping them on their journey, give them a different view, a new strategy, a refocus as they pick up their heads and become aware of what is in their midst, what, who is causing them disappointment or, or disagreements or even distractions from the work that God has called them to. And walking alongside these missionaries as they move into the, their battle positions while fulfilling their roles in the commission of the great king. So it's preparing missionaries for that battle that is constantly they're faced with, but we all are faced to with as well. We support them spiritually and emotionally, physically, psychologically, enabling them to continue the ministry God has called them to on the field, called to connect people to Jesus and transforming lives so that they might be able to go out and they themselves, those that they, the missionaries minister to, go and make disciples. It's multiplication. It's exponential multiplication. We want all those who serve to know God cares and that we care. And we are on call 24-7. Um, usually we don't get calls 24-7, but we're open to that in the middle of the night. And we have gotten some of those calls, but we're on call to listen and pray and encourage and whatever else the missionary needs. Missionaries who feel they have been heard, who have someone with whom to process what happens as they serve, increase in resilience and are able to persevere longer in their place of service. Missionaries staying on the fields help, help um, the gospel go forward. Again, fulfilling that great commission. That means that more people have the opportunity to hear about Jesus. More people get connected to him and live in the freedom of life with him. This is still the cry of our hearts. It hasn't changed, though we now, now we're stateside based. It's based. We are here, we are in our roles to help point people to Jesus, and we're doing it more indirectly now through missionaries. But we have opportunities day in, day out as we go about our responsibilities, as we visit churches, as we're in communities. It's still what our desire is that people come to know Jesus and live in freedom from the bondage of sin by keeping their head focused on the one who can meet their needs, the one that can protect them and save them from the enemy that is hard at work. It is our privilege to be missionaries of Chapel in the Pines. 
You all have blessed us richly through the years. You pray for us. You give money so that we can continue serving. Uh, your financial support is a blessing as well. We know that Chapel in the Pines also prioritizes loving God and serving him, connecting people to him. We know that it is your desire, just as you said this morning, the children will go for their own discipleship. We know that discipleship is a priority for you, helping Christians into a mature faith and living, following Jesus, so that we, together we can serve the community all around the world. Together, we believe we are to be a people who follow God's leading. And we, in turn, then can turn our hearts and our focus to include people in global communities. All of creation, every person, is on God's heart. And it is his desire that we might know him. As we're serving our neighbors wherever they are in the world, across the street or around the world, we're making a difference. This is you, this is us together. We are serving as the body of Christ, his church, under his commission, as we read, to go into all the nations and make disciples of Jesus, teaching them to do and obey all that he commands us. As missionaries, we are sent from, con from congregations, including yours. So as missionaries are sent from your congregation to go and serve, they need to be cared for. Every missionary does. They need to be listened to. They need to be helped. They need to be supported however they need it so that they can continue sharing the good news where God leads them to do so. Each one of us have roles in the commission of our king. None of us are too old to follow Jesus. None of us are too young to follow Jesus. We all have a role in seeing that people of all nations are discipled, that they get connected to Jesus, that then they are discipled to grow into a mature faith, to learn how to pick up their heads and look around and recognize when the enemy is around. They say that the greatest enemy of the church, of the body of Christ in America, is distraction. That's heads down being distracted from what is going on, recognizing truth from lie, obedience from disobedience, love from hatred. We can't just let the media tell us their definitions for those. God's word gives us the definitions, and we are commissioned to, to live out truth, to proclaim it, but also to disciple others in it. We help them learn to pick up their heads, look around, knowing how to do what Jesus commands us. And that causes our enemy to flee. Just like those lions realized they had been exposed, they had been found out, they turned and fled. And that's what can happen to the enemy of our souls when we're paying attention, when we're reading God's word and studying it, when we are living it, when we are obeying God, when we are loving God and loving other people. Before we can fulfill the commission, we must learn how to live and fulfill the two greatest commandments, to love our Lord, our God, wholly and completely, and then to love our neighbor as ourself. Whatever neighbor God places us next to or brings to us. 
for the two of us, our roles in God's great commission is missionaries to help reach people living in Africa. But we can't do our roles alone any more than you can do your roles alone in the service of our King. How thankful we are for you people of Chapel in the, in the Pines who so finely partner with us and allow us to partner with you financially, through prayer, through your commitment to claim us as your missionaries. And with that comes your commitment to carry us. And we appreciate that. We, like every missionary, still need others serving us with us. I mean, serving through prayer, through financial support. But we also need those who will serve through accepting God's invitation to go and serve where he leads them. And it doesn't usually happen that one day, at least it didn't happen in our story or any missionary that we work with, where they just woke up one day and said, yep, God wants me to go be a missionary in Africa, so here I go. Being ready to hear that from Jesus starts with one yes at a time. Yes, Jesus, I will be part of a committed body who will help me learn your truth and your ways. Yes, Jesus, I will surrender everything to you, and I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Yes, Jesus, I will love my neighbor. I will help that woman across the street. I will pray for those children I see passing by every day. Yes, Jesus, I will give money because you have just asked me to do that. One yes at a time builds a strong foundation to where you're ready to hear, please will you join me in what I'm doing in Africa or in Mexico or in Stockton or in Haiti or wherever God wants to lead his people. We build the foundation through saying yes. And we know that he's talking to us when we feel that nudging. Have any of you experienced that? You know what God's nudging and speaking to you is like. And so we want you to say yes when he nudges you. How can you help somebody else pick up their head? How can you help people in the global communities know that there is a better way of life, the real life, life with Jesus, with an identity in Christ? Maybe you feel nudging in your hearts to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you feel a nudging to partner with us. We still need financial partners. We've been doing this now for over 35 years, almost 35 years. A lot of our partners have gone to heaven. And in God's global economy, somehow he doesn't send pennies from heaven that we used to sing about as children in just the same way. So we still need financial partners. We forever need prayer partners. We know that you've heard us, if you were here when we spoke before, hear us say we can go um, and travel to visit our missionaries in Africa and be with them regularly. We can be in the States and help with pre-field training and with some of the re-entry stuff missionaries go through. We can do all of that when we have the money. But we can't do it effectively until we have enough prayer support. We firmly believe prayer is the greater work. And it has been said that you cannot have effective world evangelization until you have very effective prayer mobilization. We need people praying for us. 
we'll just be very brave and say that. We meet a lot of opposition to the work we do because the enemy of our souls does not want missionaries to stay on their fields of service. He wants them to feel defeated. He wants them to feel like, oh, maybe I'm not really in God's will. If it's this hard, I must not, it must not be that I'm meant to be here. I must have heard him wrong. Maybe sometimes that's true, but a whole lot of the time they just need somebody to say what you're feeling and what you're experiencing is normal in this really abnormal set of circumstances you're living in right now. And with God's help, you can do it. He is with you. He is for you. And we get the privilege of doing that, of helping them and coming alongside them. Would you prayerfully ask Jesus what he might be inviting you to do? What yes is he offering you the invitation to say, uh, to join him in, to say yes to? Please feel free to let us know what God is stirring in your heart. Speaking it out is a great way to bring confirmation because in Christ's work as the body, he intends that we each are letting him live his life out through us. So we're sharing with you what God has put on our hearts and what he's stirring us to say. Pick up your heads. Be aware. Look around. Don't just carry on your usual activities, your usual way with your usual assumptions. We need to pick up our heads and look around. What is he stirring in your heart? Speak it to someone. And we're really safe people to speak it to because we can't hold you to it in the community. We won't be here every day in your life. But also because we care. And we want to come alongside you in prayer with encouragement however we can so that you feel empowered and enabled to say yes to Jesus. Whatever he's stirring in your heart, whatever invitation he's extending, trust me. No matter what the personal cost may seem to be, you don't want to miss participating in whatever it is that Jesus invites you into because he makes it possible. And it's wonderful, even though it can be really hard. So please do connect with us. We're around after the service. We're staying in your beautiful, beautiful new house across the street. Oh, thank you for that. Um, and we've been praying over that space while we've been here and praying for the ministry that that's going to be to people to come. So that's beautiful. But we're around until we leave tomorrow morning. Um, so please, we'd love to chat. We'd love to hear what Jesus is saying to you. That would be a great encouragement to us. But whatever you sense the Lord leading into our prayer is that you will be faithful to fulfill your role in Christ's great commission. Always remembering to keep your head up because we have an enemy of our souls who is prowling around, whether he's roaring or whether he's being very stealthy. He's there, and we need to make him flee. Whatever Jesus commands, when that great commandment that Jesus gave us, at the end of that, he gave it, he gave it with a promise. And remember, I am with you always clear to the very end of the age. We are never without him. Whatever he invites us into, he's already there, and he's got a plan going, and he welcomes us into it, and he stays in it with us. Come what may, we are never alone in doing his work. He is with us. So we challenge you 
pick up your heads. Prayerfully look around. We ask you to look beyond your usual daily life and ask Jesus to show you what does he want you to see. Where do you need to make a change to cause the enemy of your soul to flee? What do you need to let go of? What do you need to pick up? How is Jesus inviting you to join him to fulfill his great commission to disciple the nations? And what is your response to him? Jesus makes it possible for the people of his church to say yes to him, moving in obedience, and we do it together, helping one another, just as Christ intends for his people, his body to function. And he is with us always. It's worth it to say yes after yes after yes. Yes.